Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. It's a privilege to be here this morning. I want us to look um, at a well-known account of, of um, a miracle through one of the prophets in 2 Kings uh, from uh, chapter 4. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Let's go on there. Pour, pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. The sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There, were, there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell, sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live and what is left over. Now, I want it's, it's a great account of a miracle of provision. Uh, I want to just look at a few points here. And I've just had something, Lord's Prayer, something specific on my heart that I feel is, is for us this morning. Now, firstly, um, the interesting thing, it's a, it's a great miracle, this. It's a great miracle of provision. Um, have you ever tried to get the last bit of olive oil out of a jaw you know it's just just doesn't want to get out there anyway but in this case we see God do this miracle of provision but if you see I want to point out a few interesting things firstly uh, this lady is not an unbeliever she's uh, her husband was a uh, was serving with Elisha uh, also one of the prophets and you know, they were in ministry, they were serving God, seeking His kingdom, and, and things have gone completely different than I'm sure that they were expecting. Things have gone very badly, it's wrong, it seems. And uh, serving the Lord and going for it, and then suddenly finding themselves in this very desperate situation. I mean, we've all got issues and problems and challenges, but can you imagine being at a place where your sons are about to be taken into slavery? Um, crazy thought. I can't even imagine that. And then, it, but and Elisha's like, okay, but how, how can I help you? And then he asks an important question. He says, "What do you have in your house? What what is there in your life? What is in your house? What is what has God already blessed you with? Is there something that we can work with here?" And how often do we have the same response as, as this widow when we sit in a situation, a desperate situation or a challenging situation, and we have many different levels? How often do we, our first response is, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. I've, I've, I'm, I'm in a bad spot yet. I'm in my back's against the wall. Or I don't have any answers. The reason I'm coming to you is because there's nothing there. I, I, you know, I've tried everything else, and the reason I'm here is because I, I don't have. I've got nowhere else to go type of thing. Type of thing. And how often do we, do we have that same response? No, there's, there's nothing. But then she says, no, except there's a little bit of olive oil. And often, even when, you know, Annette was talking about time and our gifts and stuff, often we do feel 
the kind of society we live in. There's such a lot going on, and there's a, so little time, and there's such so, so many things you know, making demands on us and calling for our attention, calling for our faith and our time. That we often, when, when there is a, a need, we often feel, oh, this, I've got I've got nothing left. I don't, there's nothing here. But this is the key here that it actually says, but what is there? And then she recognized, no, there is actually a little bit of oil. And he said, okay, let's, let's work with that. Let's work with that, what, God, what you have already got in your hand. Maybe the, that hour in the week that you do have, let's, let's work with that. Or let's, those few, few rands that are somewhere in that savings account that you've forgotten about, let's, let's work with that. Let's trust God. Um, and um, well, there's another thing that I want to point out briefly is that Elisha gave her instructions, very specific, but he wasn't around when the miracle happened. And and what's what's amazing in this case is that we see that the the, the size almost, if you can call it that, the size of the miracle was very much dependent upon the the response of the widow to the word of the Lord to her through Elisha. Can you see that? Um, there's another account where the king was a Joash. He um, he came. Also, he spoke with Elijah, uh, Elisha, and Elisha gave him instructions in terms of a prophetic act that he had to do. To do, and he told them to grab some arrows and strike the ground. And he kind of did it half-heartedly three times, and then he kind of stopped. <laughs> and then Elisha was quite upset with him, and he said, because you only struck the ground three times. In other words, your response was kind of kind of wishy-washy, you know. You're only going to defeat the enemy three times, and after that, it's tickets type of thing, you know. Uh, so the response, our response to God in our, in a, when we come to him, and our response to the word through people or through others is so important. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but what catches me often is, and I've known God a few years, you know, walk with God. I've, God has done amazing things in our lives, but but still, when we, we trust God for something and we step out in faith, this this this. I don't know about you. Maybe it's my name. My name is Yakut, you know, Jacob, Schemer. You know, there's, unfortunately, there's that connotation there. But um, I always have this scheme in the back of my head. I think I know how God's going to provide. But I've been around long enough to know that whatever I think, I can write it down because it's not going to be like that. I can actually just cross that off. Because whatever God's going to do is not going to be that, okay? So there's this thing where we think, oh, maybe it's like this, or maybe God's provision will come like that. But then I can, I can almost get, give you a, a, a letter as Afrikaners say, it's not going to be like that. Um, he's, his ways are higher than ours. Okay, so let's quickly look. So he says, gather jars. Now, if, you know, if we can kind of bring that across to more general situation or um, concept, what do, what do those jars represent? And in this illustration, or this case, our jars, those jars represent our expectation, our faith expectation of God. What, uh, uh, that's the thing I want to throw at us this morning, myself included. 
Where are my and your empty jars? What do they look like? Is it, and the picture God gave me is, he, is as if, uh, we'll get around to the detail just now, it's as if many of us have, for various reasons, which we're going to look at in a, in a moment, have lost our jars. We don't have many jars anymore. Now, if I was this widow, and I'd seen this miracle happen, I would have thought, yes, I should have gotten that Jojo tank from my neighbor. <laughs> you know, or you know what I should have done is I should have rented the local pool and emptied it. You, you know what I'm talking about? So in hindsight, I would have thought, oh, if I knew this is what God was going to do, <laughs> my, maybe my response would have been a little bit, even, okay, it looks like she did quite well. I mean, she gathered all that she could from her neighbors. But I'm sure there was a thing we should have thought, oh, maybe I should have, that one neighbor has got, actually got a bath in their house. Maybe we should have gone with that as well. Um, but that those jaws, that how we respond to a crisis or a situation or a challenge, is that, what is our expectation? What do I expect? What is my hope of God? What is my belief about who he is in that situation? What we believe about a situation, what we think about a situation and believe about a situation is, I would say, of utmost importance. Because that shapes what I say about the situation. And it shapes what I do about it. Not the other way around. So I'm asking this, I'm asking a couple of questions. What, what is my expectation of God? What is my belief about him in my situation and what am I saying about my situation? Great. And he hasn't given me lots of time this morning, so I'm just kidding. But uh, let's look at a couple of things that, just to carry on, what are the things that, before we get to that, another important thing here is he, he said to her, Borrow the jars, go to your house, shut the door. Why? And I think that's key here. Is often when we find ourselves in a challenging season or a challenging situation, we need to protect our hearts. We need to protect our empty jars. We need to protect the expectation and the belief and the faith in our heart because there will be an attempt to steal that, to detract from that. Um, if, you, if you're busy there with the jaws or whatever, and the neighbor comes past, and what on earth are you doing? You know, this is ridiculous. Don't be crazy, man. Don't be silly. Let's be real. Have you heard that? You need to be real about the situation. I don't want to be real like that. I want to hear what God is saying, and I want to protect that thing, that word that God has given. Amen? So there's a, there's a key here that we, you and I need to protect our hearts and protect our faith expectation, our, our jars, our empty vessels. Um, and what are, the things, what are the things that steal these things? Firstly, what often happens is we, we get a little bit disappointed. Maybe you've stepped out in faith before about something Things have turned out completely different, very much like this lady. Obviously, they were living in faith. They were serving God. They were seeking the kingdom. 
things have gone completely different to what they have expected, I'm sure. And then maybe it happens a second time, things just don't turn out, and maybe you maybe you know I don't deal with that thing immediately, we don't deal with a disappointment. What happens is we kind of we want to pre- we don't want to be disappointed again. So what happens is we we harden our hearts a little bit. We don't know if we do this, but our heart gets a bit hardened. And that when you look again, my expectation of God has changed. What I believe about Him as a provider or as healer or as so many things, deliverer or as maybe, not consciously, but there's something has changed. What I expect of Him has changed. So there's that disillusionment that comes from the doubt that comes in. Sometimes it's people. People want to steal those into jars. Not because they think I'm going to now steal this expectation, but people that come with those kind of words. No, let's be real about this. Let's face the facts. You know, well, some of you know the story. And Adam and I wanted to start a family. The facts were that we were unable to have children naturally. And if I had to face the facts then, then we wouldn't probably have children now. But, but God had other plans, amen? And in so many times, in so many seasons, you know, if we had to only face the facts, our lives would look completely different now. So there's a, I want us to really be aware that people unknowingly and maybe not even deliberately would, would sometimes say negative stuff or want to, um, through things they say, steal that expectation or, you know, detract from that faith that you have. So be protective over that. Are you with me this morning? Um, I just want to quickly look at something by Andrew Murray. He said, if faith expectation, he says, faith, faith expects from God what is beyond all expectation. That's what faith does. It's when, when we expect something that's against the, what the facts say, that it doesn't add up always in terms of the budget or the facts or the reality of my situation at work or my relationship or my marriage, but I, my expectation of God is that is where, that's what faith actually comes down to. And the one that we put our faith in, I just could look, briefly look at Romans chapter 4, from 17. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's the God that we put our expectation in. He that calls the things that do not exist as though they did. And that ties in so, so much with what our definition or our working of faith looks like in, in Hebrews 1 in terms of the evidence of things not seen, the, you know, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things unseen. That sounds weird. Doesn't make sense, but that's how faith works. It's trusting in, believing in, hoping in something that you can't yet see, feel, or get to, you know get your hands on yet. Amen. Now, John, I want to quickly look at uh, something that's it's important to be be aware of, and that is cynicism. I want to have a look. Uh, just I read a book a couple uh, a while ago by Peter Howard Brown. I've taken a kind of big quote out of that, so just bear with me if you, want to, if you want to look at that. A cynic is a passionate person who does not want to be disappointed again. Cynicism is a poison, a cancer that will kill you and everyone around you. It's the dream slayer. 
Surely it's the plan of the enemy to stop the forward advance of Christ's church. It's the opposite of faith. Faith sees what could, what could be. And as the old hymn goes, faith laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. Cynicism makes no room for the re-energizing work of the Holy Spirit. It disallows a new day and a new beginning because it has schooled itself to continually commit the sin of low expectation. Ish. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's something there that convicts me when I read this. And funny enough, I think in our, uh, I don't know if it's so much in the English, South African English culture, but definitely in the South African Afrikaans culture, some parts, the cynicism is a, a common disease, <laughs> a common affliction. Or maybe it's just myself. But um, so, so important for us to be aware that we do not allow cynicism to take over our hearts. Because it's not like that one day I decide, you know what, I'm going to be a cynic from today. I've made a decision and this is the way I want to go. I don't think it works like that. It's, it's this process of the enemy kind of sowing seeds of doubt and fear and, and you know, us not dealing with hurts and not dealing with disappointments. Coming to a point where we, rea- where we don't even realize that I've, I don't have no jars left. I have no expectation of God anymore. And I'd go through the motions. I'll do church and do small group. And I even pray. But I've, I found, maybe this for somebody here this morning, that you think, if you look at these young guys in the front, or maybe even you're not much older, and you think, yeah, yeah look how full of faith and zeal they are. Or, and you think, yeah, yeah I, used to, I used to think like that. But now I'm older and wiser, maybe. Or you th- look at how the guys pray for healing and trust for miracles. You think, yeah, yeah, I used to believe that stuff, but but I've been around for block a few times. Isn't that sad? We think like that. I'm talking to myself now, as well. Um, I believe God wants us to give us grace this morning to look at our hearts and to say. That's not of God. That God has not changed. And that His nature has not changed. And His desire to provide, His desire to heal, His desire to deliver, His desire to save to the uttermost, has not changed. Amen? He surprises us in the most unexpected ways that, with His goodness. Goodness and mercy follow us. Amen. Did I tell you that story last time about when I went to India the first time? There was this, um, this is, we went on one day, we had a rest day and we wanted to buy some stuff for our prayer partners. And there was this guy that had, was selling these beautiful hand carved chess, little chess pieces, thing, chess sets. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I, I knew I wasn't going to buy it. Um, but I was interested because it was really great craftsmanship, you know. And I made the rookie error to go and say, well, let me see that thing. And I looked at it and said, whoa, that's really cool, you know. <laughs> Any case, the rest of the day, the re- I promise you the whole day, as we went through the city and 
different shops. This guy was like my shadow here, right here. Because he was going to make that sale. <laughs> I felt so bad. You know? <laughs> and when I went into a shop, he would stand at the door. And when I come out, he was there. The goodness and mercy of God is like that. Eh? <laughs> Just in a good way. You can't shake it, guys. When you wake up in the morning, it's like Abigail there. My face is, is there, you know. You leave the home and you're rising and you're lying down and you're going in, you're coming out, you know. The goodness and mercy of God follow us. Okay. So, okay, let me just quickly look at the next scripture here. In terms of what we say also, Luke chapter 6.45, just briefly, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And that's why it's so important for us to, to be protective about what God has done in our hearts and to be alert and vigilant to not allow the enemy to steal from that. Because what is in our heart is what's going to come out in what we say. And often when I, when I, I have to challenge myself on this, because I, 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 I want to believe something about a situation, but when I talk to somebody about it, when, where I can actually talk straight, I realize, yeah, this doesn't sound so good. <laughs> in other words, I need to, what's going on in here? Because what I'm saying doesn't add up with what I actually want to be believing about the situation. And then I, I must make an adjustment there. What is on your lips? What is on your, what you say? Whether it is about your neighbor that you're trusting to be saved, or whether it is about your job situation or your boss or your colleague, or whether it's about your, a provision that you're trusting for. What is on your lips? What are you saying? What's in your mouth? What are you proclaiming about that situation? terms of our expectation of God, I often think about this concept of if, if Bill Gates were to pitch here this morning uh, or at your work or at your house and say, listen, obviously Bill Gates, one of the richest guys in the world, he writes you a check with your name, everything, and he dates it and does everything he needs to do and he, and he leaves the amount blank. And he says, listen, this is for you. Go, boss. You know, do your thing. How many of us would just think, ah, it's this guy, you know, he's kidding with us now. That's funny. And then we'll put the check away somewhere and just forget about it. Sometimes we treat God like that. Eh? He says, guys, I've given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. I'm the Lord of the cattle on a thousand hills. There's no limit to what I can do and I can provide and I can. There's no limits here. And we're like, oh, that, yeah, God, you know, that's. And then we put that blank check somewhere and it gathers dust and we never fill in anything on that thing. Isn't that hectic? I believe God wants us to push the limits, get the jars, rent the local pool if you're going to be pouring oil. Amen? And I felt. To challenge us with this is that if you, if Holy Spirit has pressed on your heart this morning about a little bit of cynicism or maybe a little bit of disillusionment that's crept in, 
I don't know what it's about. It's maybe different for each one of us here. But I feel this grace this morning to say, God, I'm going to gather all the jars I can find. And maybe it's only one today, but tomorrow maybe I'm going to gather a couple more. I'm going to trust you for what's impossible. You guys have just had your host campaign. Maybe you've invited somebody that you've been praying for for years and they didn't come. Don't give up on that guy. Amen. One of my friends that I've prayed for for many years, he was at school, in primary school with me. His name is Donnie Ferreira. He's now the pastor in Stanerton. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I, I, obviously the Lord just, I don't know, for some reason just had me be a part of that, small part of his journey because I just kept praying when, as the Holy Spirit reminded me, just kept praying. Don't give up on that seed of, of that promise or that thing that you're trusting for. The package and the, how it comes probably gonna, is going to be look completely different than you thought. I can almost guarantee you that the lady did not expect him to tell her, gather jars. Maybe she was hoping also for a check or something or some coins or some food. Now he says, no, just get some jars. What is this guy going on about? <laughs> so the package looks different, guys. Or it sometimes the person through which the provision comes is not convenient. Huh? Or the, the word through which the person the, the, the words the person through which the words come that God speaks into it's not oh man, Lord, can't it just be somebody else, this guy? freaks me out, you know, or I struggle to receive from this person, or why did you have to do it through my colleague at work? Um, any case, God's ways are higher than ours. I need to close. Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now this guy's got his tenses all mixed up. Can you see this here? Believe what things you ask present, believe that you receive them and you will have them. How does that work? He's got his English, clearly English, or the translator made some mistakes here. <laughs> but again, that's how the f- faith walk works. We believe now, and we receive later. <laughs> Are you with me? Okay. Let's stand this morning. I just want us to pray through specific things. So I just had one, two, three, before I get over to any, I just feel one, God has wanted to just challenge us this morning to look at our hearts and say, Lord, what is there a place where, or a part or a, just where I've been disillusioned or I've been maybe even hurt a bit or I've been disappointed enough times that I'm now careful with what I expect from God. Or I'm now just... I, uh, yes, I want to trust God, but I'm just going to make it manageable for God <laughs> so that I don't, I'm not disappointed again. 
maybe a bit of cynicism that's come in. Maybe something is stolen my jars, stolen my expectation. And then I really have an absolute conviction this morning that God knows each one. And I have an absolute conviction that He loves so, and loves each one of us in a way that, in a way that we can never fathom. And I have an absolute confidence and a conviction this morning that God wants to meet you where you are at right now. And He wants to give us grace to go gather jars for stuff that we've given up on already, for stuff that we've stopped praying about, for stuff that we've forgotten about. Can we, can we pray briefly and then Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you've demonstrated your love for each soul. By while we were still sinners, you sent your Son, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that right now you know every heart in this place, Lord. You know every situation. You know every impossibility. You know every desperate place. You even know those dreams that not pressing or desperate, but they've just we've almost just forgotten about them. And right now in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you Lord for a deposit of hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord for grace to gather more jars and protect our faith to protect our expectation or to watch what comes from our mouths as we speak Lord in Jesus name thank you for a release this morning of faith filled speech God of, of words that are full of faith God of an expectation of the almighty God the creator of the universe the one that spoke the universe into being the one with whom there's no impossibility, Lord. The one that calls the things that do not exist as though they do. The one that brings life out of death, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, Lord. We look to you, Lord. Restore our hope, Lord. Restore our faith and our expectation of you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.